greetings to those who watch below. It's Friday, which means it's time for another stop on our tour of America. And today, it's time to grab those beads, because we're heading to Mardi Gras in Louisiana. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership that you can join by checking the link in the description box. So, thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Christina Groves, Julie B, and Jess Black Curtain. Also, if you haven't seen yet, I'm now on Instagram, at brimstone underscore below, where I post hints to future videos and also sometimes show what my life's like outside of the channel. And if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, hitting that notification bell so that you never miss a video. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. The Screaming Katrina Ghost by Clarence I was born and raised in New Orleans, and Hurricane Katrina hit the summer after my senior year of high school. This story takes place two Christmas Eves later, outside the swanky lakefront condo where I was currently living. And that was only because for a good while after Katrina, the whole city suffered from an epidemic of vacant luxury apartments. Those brave few of us who had come back early enough that you could still smell the inside of everybody's refrigerator when you drove down the street, were able to pretty much live wherever we wanted, for insanely cheap. Before the lakefront condo, I'd been paying $200 a month to rent a two-bedroom apartment on Magazine Street, which is currently going for eight times that now. I only moved to the lakefront condo because it was cheaper, if you can believe that. My mum was still living in Baton Rouge at this time, and my younger sister had wanted to see the extended family for Christmas, so she was crashing with me that night. Even though she was in her late teens by this point, it had been a rough past few years, and my mum wanted to surprise my sister with Christmas presents when she woke up in the morning. Which is how I ended up spending most of that Christmas Eve night, driving all the way to Baton Rouge and back, my trunk now full of wrapped presents, and my sister's dog Maymay in the passenger seat panting with anticipation. This was during the like two whole weeks of winter we get here each year, and I remember it was cold enough that night that there was snow on the I-10. For a lifelong NOLA native, that sight alone was pretty surreal. I finally got back to the condo at about 3am, and had parked out front instead of inside the parking garage to make it easier to unload the car. I called my girlfriend to confirm that my sister was asleep, and was waiting for her to come down and take Maymay, so I could safely sneak the presents up. I wanted to save my girlfriend time, and meet her at the entrance of the complex. So I clipped Maymay's leash to her collar, and we exited the car. We had just started toward the building, when it happened. Now, you need to understand that Maymay is one of the sweetest dogs ever. Whenever she sees literally anybody, her tail starts wagging, because she knows there's at least an off chance she might get some attention. I'd never heard Maymay growl for real until that moment, and it took me a second to realise it was even her making the noise. My gaze was on the building's entrance when the growling started, and I looked down just in time to see Maymay stop dead in her tracks and then hunched down so low her belly was almost touching the ground. She was looking at the vacant lot, bordering the left side of the condo complex, and I reflexively turned to follow her line of sight. I saw a crying woman standing there, just beyond the corner of the building, 
She was in her thirties and had vaguely curly blonde hair, was barefoot and wearing only a white t-shirt that was long enough to resemble a nightgown. The woman was sobbing, and normally, if I would see a half-naked woman sobbing in the middle of the night, I'd like to think my first reaction would be to try and help her. But something about the sound of Mei Mei's growl had sent a chill up my spine, and when I spotted the woman, I froze in place, as alarm bells began to go off from what felt like the most primitive parts of my brain. And as soon as she saw me see her, we locked eyes, and the woman let out the most blood-chilling scream I had ever heard. If you've seen that recent ring camera footage of a car driving by someone's house with a possible female kidnapping victim in the passenger seat, this woman's scream sounded a lot like that. She pointed out at the lake behind me as the scream seemed to go on forever, even longer than you'd think someone could scream. And then she was gone. The woman didn't fade away. It wasn't even like I blinked and she had vanished. She was simply there, and then she wasn't. Her scream cut off just as suddenly, but the sound of it still ringing in my ears. About a week later, one of the maintenance men told me that before Katrina, a homeless couple with two kids used to live out of an old shed that had been abandoned on that vacant field between the complex and the neighbouring building. Of course, they hadn't been seen since the hurricane, and like many of the city's homeless, were presumed dead. And of course, my description of the screaming woman matched the mother of this homeless family exactly, down to her slightly curly blonde hair and the long t-shirt she wore like a dress, which led me to conclude that she hadn't been pointing at the lake. She had been pointing at the floodwaters. The LaLaurie Mansion I couldn't do a video on Louisiana without telling you the story of the LaLaurie Mansion. The mansion is considered by many to be the single most gruesome haunting in the United States. With almost 180 years of reported violent activity, it is not a tale for those faint of heart. The LaLaurie family first moved into the Creole Mansion on Royal Street in 1832. The madam of the house, Delphine, was well known throughout the city for her grand parties and fine taste in clothing and decor. The locals considered it a great honour to be invited to one of her luxurious gatherings to be wined and dined while relaxing on expensive furniture, imported from all over the world. Though Delphine was well respected by many for her intelligence and wealth, there were those few who knew her for what she truly was from the very beginning, a cruel, evil and heartless creature who would do whatever it took to be amused and get whatever she wanted. Slavery in itself was one of the worst crimes against humanity that it has ever committed, but Madame LaLaurie managed to take this cruel act a step further than that, proving exactly how cruel she really was. Delphine had been known to brutally torture even the youngest of her servants, often whipping them to death and merely replacing them with another as if they were just old clothes. It is told that she kept her cook chained to the stove for over 16 hours a day, then locked her in a dark room for the night until the next day began. There was just no limit to this evil woman's horrifying treatment to other human beings. Eventually, after a neighbour had seen LaLaurie burying a young girl in a shallow grave, the authorities took Delphine's servants away from her, but the insane woman only needed to have relatives purchase them back 
from the public auctions, so she could continue her horrid abuse. In 1834, during a party, a fire was started in the kitchen of the LaLaurie mansion, apparently set by the cook who could no longer take the abuse. When firefighters showed up and put out the blazing fire, they discovered a more horrifying sight than they could have ever imagined. Within the smoking remains of the fire and water-damaged interior of the home, they found a barred door, beyond which were dozens of slaves chained to the walls and homemade operating tables. The madame had been using them as playtoys in her sadistic games for her own sickening pleasure. Surrounding those who were still barely alive were the dismembered remains of those whom Delphine had already finished off. The degree of torture Lalaurie put these poor souls through is far worse than any serial killer known in the world thus far. A young man was chained to the wall, with a sharp stick protruding from his head where a hole had been drilled. Authorities say the woman had been using the stick to stir the man's brains. On one of the makeshift tables, a woman had her stomach cut open, her intestines pulled out and tied tightly around her waist like a gruesome belt and there were so many others in the room as well, all suffering various forms of abuse and torture. Word of the woman's evil rapidly spread throughout the city, and soon a large mob gathered outside the horrid creature's home to serve up punishment to the insane woman's acts of violence and torture. Unfortunately, it was far too late. The family had escaped the city immediately following the fire, never to be seen or heard from again. Once the victims were removed and the enraged neighbours had taken their anger out on the house itself, it was soon after that that reports of the haunting began. Only a short time passed before the mansion was once again occupied by newcomers to the city, but none of the occupants ever stayed for long. The reports of screaming and crying throughout the night were bad, but nothing compared to the ghastly sight of the decapitated apparitions and angry spirits that were constantly seen roaming the corridors and passing through the large rooms of the mansion. Throughout the years, the building has gone through many changes and renovations, from a private school to apartments for the privileged, and even at one time, home of Nicolas Cage. Though the screams and apparitions have faded with time, they are still occasionally reported by scared tenants and visitors who know little or nothing of the cruel history linked to the mansion of Madame LaLaurie. Freaky Footsteps Heard by All by Misty Dixon Designs I woke last night to the sound of him running towards me. I flipped on my light, assuming my son was coming to get in the bed with me, as he often does sometime around 3am. The door creaked as well, so I went to meet him at my bedroom door and called his name. As I stepped out, I realised no one was there. I ran to his room to see if he was there, and he was sound asleep. The house was still as stone, and I was alone in my living room. Or was I? I sat on my couch, contemplating what I should do. My husband is currently out of town, and a call from me in the middle of the night would only go into his mental file of the crazy things that happened to me. Needless to say, this is not the first encounter I have had. They started when I was three, and have come and gone throughout my teenage and adult years. I'm a Christian, so I'm familiar anyway with at least some level of supernatural. Changing an apparently heartless adulterer who could care less about people 
into someone who strives to live her life according to God's word is something that can only have been done supernaturally. I'm not perfect by any means, but I am different. And trust me, nothing about me wanted to be anything other than what I was. So I said all of that to say, I'm not afraid of supernatural things. I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that they exist. I'm not sure in what all capacities though. I'm aware and comfortable with the fact that we may never understand it all completely. But back to the story. I left a hall light on so that my son could see if he decided to get in bed with me as he had done so many times lately and went back to sleep. Minutes later, he did. Today, I was sitting on my couch watching a movie and he came running out of his room. I asked him what was wrong and he said that things in his room were moving and that he heard the voice. Now, let me just say that my son is four years old. He does not watch scary movies and we have never discussed my experiences with him or in front of him before. So I asked him what voice he was talking about, and he told me, The voice that calls me, Mummy. He went on to explain to me that there is a voice that calls his name a lot of the time. He said at first he thought it was me or his father, calling him using different voices. But every time he would come ask us what we wanted, we would tell him that we didn't call him. After he told me this, I remembered several times lately that he told me he heard me calling him when I didn't. He said the voice had been waking him up at night, calling him to come to my room, which explained how he got up in my bed around three every night for the past month or so. I was somewhat alarmed, but not highly, until he spoke about the footsteps. He told me that he had been hearing someone walking around the house at night when nobody else was up. He said that he kept thinking that it was me coming to check on him, but when he would look for me, I would not be there. His room is on the opposite side of the house to mine. When he said this to me, I got chills immediately, because I have been hearing footsteps at night in our house for about a month. They are not quiet footsteps, but loud banging ones, like someone is stomping around. My husband even heard it one time, and convinced me that it had to be thunder, until we checked outside and saw the clear sky with a million stars. He knows something is going on, but he is sceptical. He has lived with me long enough to have experienced enough that he cannot completely ignore it. This is our third house since we have been married, and there have been issues with this house as well as house number one. For whatever reason, we got a break while living in house number two. During the past month, we have heard the weird things. We have also had really crazy electrical stuff happening in our house. This house is only five years old, but every time there is an occurrence, it seems like something electrical happens. The other day, three light bulbs went out within minutes of each other. Last Sunday, three of our five smoke alarms went off at exactly the same time, yet there was no smoke anywhere. Could the batteries have all run out at the same time? We put new batteries in, and they went off again. Right now, they are completely turned off. It could be totally explainable and coincidental, but it just seemed to happen right after we had something strange happen. We live in Abita Springs, Louisiana, which is a notoriously haunted town. Our house was built here post-Katrina, on land that has never been lived on before. The Grunch The Grunch is a New Orleans-based urban legend closely related to the Chupacabra. Back when New Orleans was first developing the eastern suburbs, there existed an old road, 
barely known by most residents of the area. This road was long and narrow, and led off into the deep thicket of woods surrounding the area, eventually coming to a dead end. According to legend, there were a strange group of humans living in these woods, there were a strange mix of albinos and dwarves, forced to live away from society, during a time when people who were thought of as different were considered creations of the devil. Because of humanity's cruel nature, these people became a sort of sideshow for teenagers and immature adults. The locals claim that their seclusion to the woods had caused the people to interbreed and combine their abnormalities to eventually become almost inhuman in appearance. At this point in time, the end of that long road, then labelled Grunch Road, was considered nothing but a freak show and occasionally a make-out spot for desperate teens who may not have believed the legends. That is, until people started to disappear. It started out with a few goats here and there, nearby farmers reporting their animals missing or finding them dead and drained of blood. Before long, adult humans began disappearing as well, and reports of strange deformed creatures roaming the woods at the end of Grunch Road were multiplying every day. Some say the albino dwarf people stole their souls for a beast to protect them from the onlookers who treated them as freaks. While others claim the beasts are the offspring of the albinos and dwarves, deformed from many years of inbreeding and mixing abnormalities, driven insane from the cruel treatment they endured from society. Legends say you will first see a stray goat along the side of the road, appearing to be injured or in need of assistance. It isn't until you leave the safety of your vehicle to help the animal that the grunch comes out to drain you of your blood and feast upon your flesh. The next time you see a stray goat wandering the side of the road, just remember, there may be a grunch nearby waiting, ready to have his meal. My terrifying experience at the infamous Myrtle's Plantation This experience takes place in St. Francisville, Louisiana, at the rather infamous Myrtle's Plantation. Now, I know that with places that are kind of touristy as far as paranormal things go, they can be kind of questionable as to the validity of what happens there. And, this being such, I always tend to err on the side of caution as far as what I believe. And I always do a fairly thorough check of wherever I'm staying for any artificial motors and wireless speakers, basically anything that can cause things to happen that may seem paranormal. The cabin we stayed in came up clear, so we arrived at the plantation around 2pm, and were given a complimentary tour of the grounds. I got vibes all over the place. It was pretty insane already. Because I get vibes, but rarely do I get vibes that strong. We were then shown the place we would be staying the night, and were let in and essentially set free. I did my evaluation of the room, and then afterwards I noticed something. Near the back door of the room, I got insane vibes like even stronger than the rest of the grounds. I knew something had happened there. I knew I had to find out what had happened. By this point it was probably around 5pm, and understandably we were pretty hungry. We left the plantation to go into town and get some food. We got back around 6.30pm, and began to walk over to our cabin, when a friendly woman we had seen earlier came over, knowing we were paranormal enthusiasts, and asked if we wanted to see her room, which was in the actual plantation house. 
we were staying in one of the old slave cabins. We said of course, and so she brought us up to her room. We looked around, and it was pretty regular as far as vibes go. But when I went into the bathroom, I felt the most oppressive, awful atmosphere. It was creepy and terrible, and I hated it, and instantly wanted to leave. I didn't necessarily think something had happened there, but I knew that something inhabited that bathroom, and I knew it wasn't something kind. We didn't stay in that place for long, but it was cool to look at. We left after probably 10 to 20 minutes of looking around. We went back to our cabin and got settled in for the night. Lots of vibes there, and my sister and I, we were somewhat younger at the time, slept in the same bed because we were scared. She and I stayed up pretty late playing a game called Farkle. As soon as midnight rolled around, we decided it would probably be best to put the game away and go to bed. But as soon as we put the game away, and the noise of the game and our voices were gone, I noticed a noise. The rocking chair on the front porch of the cabin was rocking methodically back and forth, and the rocking I heard was hard enough back and forth that I was certain there wasn't any wind responsible for that. I got a little bit freaked out, but decided I wasn't going to mention it to my younger sister, as it would probably just trouble her. So she and I laid down to sleep. She fell asleep pretty quickly, but I was having issues falling asleep, with all the thoughts and worries running through my head. But those seemed rather irrelevant, as I heard footsteps on the stones outside our cabin. Now, mind you, our cabin was fenced in, so it couldn't be entered by anyone who didn't have the key. But regardless, I heard the footsteps, and they continued as I heard light slaps of feet on the wooden porch with a groan of the weight, and they continued on forward and noise continued right on through the door. As I heard the figure pass right by my bed, I saw nothing, and then it continued out the back door. I smelled a rosy scent. I had a really hard time sleeping after that. This event happened around 1 in the morning, and I didn't fall asleep until about 3.30. When I woke up, we went into the main house for breakfast, and we heard stories from the other campers about their experiences, which were equally terrifying including people who felt a presence sit down on their bed in the middle of the night, and a person coming out of a cabin to tell people to be quiet, but the cabin was actually void of people. We ate and shared our stories, and then returned back to our cabin. We sat there for a while playing games on our tablets and just relaxing, as it was a nice cabin despite being haunted. Then, I can't remember why, but my sister and my mum got into an argument, the argument obviously didn't sit well with whatever spirits occupied the cabin, because it was cut short by the faucet in the bathroom turning on full force and then turning back off. The three of us freaked out pretty bad and cleared out of the cabin in no less than 30 seconds. That was how that ended, and I'm never going to forget how scary it was to be awake by myself in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, and then suddenly realise you're not alone. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, making sure you hit that notification bell so you never miss a video. I'll be back in a couple of days with some more truly terrifying stories for you. So, until next time, sleep tight. 
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.